You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Dietary recommendations are proposed for flavanols found in tea. Colombo tea prices reach an all-time high. India rolls out a digital retail network for small grocers. Plus, tea growers in Kumon, India, turn to Young Mountain Tea founder Raj Vable to finance construction of a farmer-owned tea processing facility large enough to sustain a village of several hundred workers. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Elliptia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. Tea is considered one of the seven necessities of life in Chinese culture, where it is prescribed as medicine as well as consumed as a beverage and food. Chinese emperors, recognizing its bioactive properties, first recommended tea thousands of years ago. The U.S. government may soon do the same. Nutrition researchers, following years of discussion, last month published the first intake recommendations for a bioactive compound and are now pressing the National Institutes of Health to add plant-based flavanols to their dietary recommendations due to their significant health benefits. The intake recommendations published in the journal Advances in Nutrition state that consuming 400 to 600 milligrams daily of flavin-3-alls may reduce the risk of diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Bioactive compounds include carotenoids such as beta-carotene, flavonoids such as isoflavones, cannabinoids, phytosterols, and thousands more, writes Professor Taylor C. Wallace, Ph.D. The National Health and Nutrition Survey of Food Intake identified black tea as the largest source of flavanols in the U.S. diet, 
accounting for 32% of total flavanols consumed. An 8-ounce cup of brewed tea contains 160 milligrams of flavin 3-alls, three times that of blueberries, the next richest source. The USDA's Agricultural Research Service writes that, quote, Black tea is both the best source and contributes the highest amount of flavin 3-alls, end quote. Brewed tea, caffeinated and decaffeinated, green, black, and oolong, account for 94% of flavin 3-alls consumed in the American diet. Writing in Forbes Health, Wallace explains that we know that higher intakes of certain foods that contain bioactive compounds can help prevent the onset of most chronic diseases such as heart disease, cancer, type 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's, dementia, and others. Wallace, who authored the recommendations, teaches nutrition and food studies at George Mason University and is CEO of the Think Healthy Group, a food science and nutrition research firm. He writes that, quote, After decades of debate, the scientific community has finally decided that the evidence is sufficient to move forward with an official intake recommendation for what is arguably the most studied group of dietary bioactive compounds, the flavin threols. end quote. He said flavin threols improve blood pressure, blood flow, cholesterol levels, and regulate blood sugar, and have even been shown to help protect the body's cells from damage as we age. Wallace writes that flavin threols aren't just your typical antioxidants as marketed by many food companies. Quote, For decades, research has accumulated consistently demonstrating their ability to help reduce the risk of diet-related conditions. End quote. Business Insight during the Han Dynasty, around 200 BC, a Chinese emperor ruled that when referring to tea, a special written character must be used. The character contains the symbol for wooden branches and grass, with a man standing between the two. This written character, which is pronounced as cha, symbolized the way tea brought humankind into balance with nature for the Chinese culture. September tea prices averaged $4.46 per kilo at the Colombo auction, an all-time high. Prices increased an average 588 rupees compared to September 2021, and average prices are up by more than 1,000 rupees per kilo for the year. Scarcity is a concern. Offerings have fallen to a low of 4.7 million kilos as orders from Iran and Russia decline. Tea production in Sri Lanka has fallen nearly 20% compared to last year. The 171 million kilos harvested to date is the lowest since 1996, when the country produced 170 million kilos during the first half of the year. Demand for high-quality Orthodox tea has benefited India, the second-largest producer of Orthodox black tea. Unlike Sri Lanka, India's tea production totals were up by 16% through May, before declining 2% against historical averages in June and July due to flooding. India harvests 54% of its tea during the first five months of the year. 
Credit Rating Agency, ICRA, predicts Orthodox players are likely to see margin expansion in the fiscal year 2023, while crushed-tier curl variety margins are likely to remain range-bound, with cost pressures emanating from the wage hikes announced by the governments of key tea-producing states. Packaged tea is never more than a stroll away in India where neighborhood grocers account for 90% of sales of fast-moving consumer goods and 78% of all consumer goods. These small general stores, known as Kirana, comprise 10% of India's economy, a share that grew during the pandemic as stores expanded services. Many now sell mobile phones and service parcel delivery locations for Walmart-owned Flipkart, Amazon, and the Reliance Network. The millions of urban and village Ikiranas employ 8% of India's workers and generate substantial earnings with profit margins that range from 5 to 20% per store, more than double that of Western grocers. The Open Network for Digital Commerce, ONDC, is a government initiative that launched on September 30th in Bengaluru and will soon begin a beta test in New Delhi. ONDC's open source protocols encourage facilitator-driven e-commerce independent of the big existing platforms. Paytem manages the ONDC interface for the buyer side of transactions enabling sellers to accept payment via the web. The decentralized network is expected to attract many back-end partners such as logistics and e-commerce hosting services and designers creating virtual storefronts. Consumers seeking services for a particular product can choose among thousands of locations that stock the item for in-store purchase or delivery. According to the Economic Times, India's e-commerce market will generate $120 billion in sales by 2026, up from $38 billion in 2020. Digitization is a priority as India seeks to discourage cash transactions, but the most important benefit of ONDC is that local businesses can competitively offer services outside the constraints of massive marketplaces such as Amazon India and Flipkart. Business Insight. There are 5,300 grocery stores in Canada and 63,000 grocery stores in the U.S., about 300,000 food stores in Europe. No one knows exactly how many Kiranas there are in India. The government considers 15 million a conservative estimate. Amalgamating even the 6.7 million urban Kiranas into regional hypermarkets holds little appeal. Most Kirana are family-owned and managed with phones and handwritten ledgers. Each store provides a few hundred neighbors with a refined demand-based selection of goods, many seasonally and locally produced, and often sold at prices below that of supermarkets. Imagine the business advantage of digitizing point-of-sale transactions, accepting online payments, tracking inventory and small-scale marketing to the people you see daily and know by name. 
Arvinda and Intheramine in Begaluru reports on this week's tea auction prices. India Tea Price Report for the week ending October 8, 2022. The Tea Board of India has announced a study on the domestic tea consumption patterns with the aim to increase it. The study will be carried across the country. Now, India is the second largest producer of tea and also a significant consumer. In 2021, domestic consumption stood at around 1,100 million kilos of tea. However, the per capita intake of the beverage is low at 850 grams. Further, the tea sold within the country is the commodity segment, which is priced low, and tea has not been positioned or marketed as a refreshing and healthy lifestyle choice. But the industry needs its domestic market to offset losses from exports and to absorb the bulk of tea produced here. So this study will be an important one to see how tea can be promoted and consumption can be increased. In tea prices, North Indian auction centers were closed on account of the Dasra festival. Auctions took place in the south as usual. Kunur and Cochin saw a good sale of leaf tea with about 90% of CTC leaf on offer sold in Cochin. Major blenders and exporters were active for CTC leaf, while exporters were active for orthodox leaf. In Coimbatore, CTC did better than orthodox tea. Exporters were active for both orthodox leaf and dust. Kochi saw good demand for both orthodox and CTC leaf. And now, a word from our sponsor. Q-Trade understands that a successful tea blend goes beyond the creative fusion of appearance, aroma, and flavor. Our multi-award winning product development team is passionate about converting natural ingredients into sensory experiences that customers crave. Every recipe is formulated with a commercial backbone of dependable quality sourcing with a pricing structure that supports a safe, regulated, profitable, and scalable blend. Q-Trade meets every brand's retail, food service, and e-commerce need. For more information, visit our website, QTradeTees.com. This week, T-Biz travels to the Himalayan peaks of Kumon, India, where Raj Vabel, founder of Young Mountain Tea, is helping finance construction of a farmer-owned tea processing facility with a capacity of 75,000 metric tons per year, enough to sustain a village of several hundred workers. Oregon-based Young Mountain Tea recently announced the latest funding of $1.1 million. The brand works closely with the tea community in Kumaon in India, offering them a sales platform via Young Mountain Tea. So we caught up with the founder, Raj Vable, to hear about his plans for the community and the brand and what he expects to do with the funding. Welcome to T-Biz Raj and congratulations on your latest funding. So what are your plans for it? Thanks for the chance to join you. Our company, Young Mountain Tea, has just secured over a million dollars to help support the launch of a farmer-owned tea factory in the Kumaon region of northern India and also to use funds to launch our first line of biodegradable tea bags. So we're trying to pursue impact for the farmers and doing that by connecting uh, them to markets. And we see the tea bags as a really essential piece to help reach wider audiences to make our impact a reality. How are you balancing the need for social impact on your production end with the marketing and scale at your business end? And what's the thought behind how you've gone about fundraising with these in mind? 
Yeah, we wanted to find funding that was appropriate for the goals of the two arms of our work. That in India, uh, you know, helping to launch a community-owned and operated factory, and not just the setting up of a processing facility, but also the empowerment of the farmers. We recognized early that you know traditional VC funding was not going to be appropriate. So through a partnership with Frontier Co-op, we were able to secure a grant from USAID, which is the international development arm of the American government, to help set up this factory that will be uh, co-owned between ourselves, local farmers. So yeah, grants were on the India side, although we also did receive an equity investment, or rather are in the process of finalizing the due diligence with an equity investment um, from Acumen, which is an East Coast impact investor, East Coast of the US, but with global operations. So that's kind of been the funding aimed at helping making the impact a reality. While in the US to uh, scale the market side, the market arm of our business, uh, we received support from Impact Angel networks that are based out of Texas, from Oregon-based uh, nonprofit lenders and CDFIs and a handful of collections. So the idea is that to make truly global impact work possible, we'll have to secure a diversity of sources of funding. And then, of course, yeah, matching uh, that funding to the appropriate uh, side of the work, whether that's in India or the U.S., so looking at what does the sustainable model for the tea farmer look like, that type of long-term work requires people who, again, are, are patient and willing to support for the long run and also flexible because we also know that the nature of this work is that it's messy. <laughs> we have an idea of what this will look like, but we also know that we'll be learning as we go. We're not a normal startup and we're not trying to be. We're not trying to sort of follow the tech trajectory of uh, taking in a bunch of money in order to create an exit. We do want to build a long-term viable business, but the whole premise is that um, you know social enterprise being that we're using business means to accomplish a social aim and business meaning a company that can grow and receive injections of cash to make that happen. You're also adding tea bags to your product portfolio. Why? In a word, it's just the much wider audience that tea bags opens up. You know, we're now nine years into our work. And for the first nine, we were exclusively loose leaf, which um, as a person who, as for my personal interests, which are very much in, in the realm of specialty tea, it's a great fit. Um, but the reality of setting up a processing facility is that we have to move a much more significant volume. And if our timelines are accurate and this factory is producing tea in about eight months, then we need to do that fairly quickly. And so the role of the tea bags is to open up channels into uh, parts of the tea market that are currently closed to us. So specifically, what we're really excited about is food service. So providing um, you know sustainably grown uh, teas to institutions that have made commitments to lowering their impact, uh, and also supporting uh, different types of regenerative agriculture. So, for example, our, our first client to bring on these tea bags is a Fortune 500 company that has a commitment to reducing its waste. Uh, and so, by making these tea bags fully biodegradable, from the tea bag to the envelope to the boxes that the teas come in, we're able to help them sort of check those boxes. Uh, and through our partnership with them and companies like that, we're hoping that we can create a form of, um, yeah, a business that can scale, not necessarily explode and grow quickly, but has the potential to scale to the size of the opportunity that the U.S. tea market has. What are your plans for the factory at Kumaon? 
Uh, well, it's to make a fairly small scale specialty tea factory uh, that produces a wider range of teas than India has traditionally made. So in addition to top quality Orthodox black, we also want to make holy flax, like shaped greens, white teas and silver needle types of teas. And we're taking a lot of inspiration from our mentors at the tea studio in, in the Nilgiris in South India, Muskan and uh, her father, Indy, really leading the charge on helping us to expand our uh, ideas of what Indian tea can be. So the idea is to take that kind of philosophy that, you know, these teas all coming from the same leaf, there's a lot of untapped opportunity uh, to make new types of teas, but then also draw in a community element. And so there's a lot of um, effort, thought, and sort of support for ensuring that the farmers are not just token owners in this factory, but rather actively involved in the governance structure from holding seats on the board uh, to helping us guide the direction and the styles of tea that we're making. Uh, and so this is a long-term uh, investment of time, energy, and money. And the hope is that ultimately, as I was saying, that we, we can at least pilot a model by which the farmers themselves participate in the benefits of uh, the processing step and not just the cultivation step of tea. Where and when will the factory come up? Um, it's in a village called Champawat, which is in the far eastern part of Uttarakhand, right on Nepal's western border. Uh, it's a stone's throw away from Nepal. The plan is to have this up and running by next April. The land's already purchased. We have an architect selected. Uh, we're working with a handful of technical consultants, including Mr. Nigel Melikin, to help source our equipment to go into it. Um, and yeah, because we're working with a local partner who is Desmond Birkbeck, whose family goes back generations in the area and tea, and he himself has helped set up three other factories in this region, which were all set up uh, on behalf of a government program. Um, we have confidence that you know we have the, the local acumen necessary to pull off this kind of venture. And how many farmers are part of Champawat who would directly be associated with the factory? Yeah, this will be a question that we find out over time. Um, so right now, there's 500 tea farmers that are all growing tea as part of a government-run program. That government-run program is beginning to sunset itself. And so it will be a transition window where the government begins to pull back their um, efforts. They've currently been involved with both the cultivation and processing style. The plan is that they'll be handing back the land to the farmers that they've leased to date. And we will help smooth that transition by setting up this factory so that the farmers have a market for the harvest. Because as we all know, um, just the harvest alone of tea is not enough. It needs to get made into a finished good before it has commercial value. So yeah, we're, we're, we're curious, to be honest, to figure out how many of those 500 farmers will stay in tea. Uh, and our hope is that we're offering an interesting enough opportunity for them that we can you know, continue to work with the full 500, but it might be a smaller number initially. It might be something like 25, 50, 100. Uh, but I'm actually in India right now uh, and headed up tomorrow to go help resolve that question because it's an important one. Um, but it'll be several hundred is our estimate. And this is actually a big part of the work is to figure out, you know, this type of factory, not a huge scale, uh, 30 metric tons is the capacity that we're angling for. Um, how many farmers can that support in a meaningful way? What are you hoping to see develop from these initiatives and what are you looking forward to? We view hopefully that this work is going to be certainly not done in isolation, but in collaboration with a lot of other people. They're doing really positive and connected work. Uh, and so actually I have to thank 
the the tea journey and the publication the podcast uh, for helping introduce me to people that um, are actively involved with this type of work, uh, because yeah, this is the idea is that this will be a blueprint that we collectively work on to figure out what does this look like. Um, and I guess I should share that the long term plan is you know initially we will have an ownership stake in the factory. Uh, once it's up and running and and viable, the plan is to sell that stake to the local farmers and then use the funds to set up additional factories and begin to bring it out into other uh, areas first locally and then again eventually beyond. Um, of course, you know, it's, step one is just get the first one up and going. But the idea is not for this to be just a one-off, but rather um, a learning experience for all people interested, not just in tea, but in agriculture period about yeah, what does really sustainable livelihoods for mountain communities look like. Thank you, Raj, and we wish you and the team the very best. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.